guys, how are you? Welcome back to the 429 Podcast. Too many requests. I'm two. I'm four. And I'm nine. And we're gonna, today we're going to be discussing the Worldwide Developers Conference, also known as WWDC by Apple. So let's just dive straight into it. What was everyone's initial thoughts on WWDC? Um, it was good. It was good. It was good. I thought that they had a lot of good aesthetic choices made to what was much needed for a while, especially with iOS. Although I heard from your uh, point of view, too much changes. But, um, yeah, I think iOS, I think the iOS and iPad OS changes and everything good. So for those of you who don't know, we're talking about how iOS 14 is going to be more aesthetically pleasing with new widgets and app icons and the folder structures and everything. But, like, I don't like the change they did um, on the new Mac OS with the icons and everything. I don't know. Somehow I'm still an old school fan of the bulky, you know, icons and how everything's either, like, Chrome, for example, stays with its circular thing, but you have other apps which narrow between its mm-hmm. views and everything. Well, let's let's do this, like, topic by topic, so make sure everyone's on board with what we're talking about. Um, All right, so what do you want to start with? You want to start with iOS? Yeah, let's start with iOS. That's the big, you know, headliner. Everyone starts with iOS. So I'll just lay out, I'll just, you know, list off some things they changed. Sure. You guys. So with iOS, right, big thing, widgets, you know, a much stolen feature from the Android side. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you have... They're very different from the very similar to the notifications, uh, which as we had before, but they're completely redesigned. They're more colorful, bright. They come in a variety of different sizes, and for the first time, you can add them to your home screen, right? Yep. Uh, and there's a new gallery to customize and add new widgets, and apparently developers can even make their own widgets. Interesting. Uh, you have the app library, which automatically will now help you organize apps into groups and lists. Uh, users can now hide apps on their home screen. And apparently, it's very similar to the functionality of the Android's app drawer. So, with more smarter grouping features and like putting your all your games in one batch. You have uh, Pip, which was already implemented in Mac OS and partly in iPad OS before. But and now for those of you who don't know, Pip is picture in picture. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing, like if you're looking on YouTube, now you can watch the video overhead on your uh, home screen or any other device now. So, you can watch YouTube or Netflix while you take notes or, you know, browse on the internet. So that's fully implemented now on iOS and, and it basically also works with FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have App Clip, which apparently is like a... I, I really like App Clip. It's just a speedy card-based snippets of apps. It lets you access very small parts of the apps when you need them without having to install the whole app. So, like, if you... The, the example that Apple gave was if you're at a coffee shop and they have a rewards program, they uh, they pop up with a card snippet, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if you're at a parking and you need you need a parking app to, you know, use that parking lot, that thing will pop up uh, through NFC cha- uh, tags and all that. And it works with Apple Pay. It supports signing with Apple, all that good stuff. And and a couple of new changes that is compact view. So Siri, as long with uh, FaceTime calls, now have more compact, minimalistic view. So they no longer take up the whole screen. A much required feature, I would say. Uh, translation app, very similar to Google Translation apps. Not much different there, just a more dedicated in-home app. Uh, Messenger has new and improved features. So you can pin important contacts, conversations on top of the app. Uh, new accessories for your emojis. And now new threaded conversations in group chat. So you can now uh, specify specific people. Uh, Apple Maps gets a much needed uh, cycling support, as well as new uh, features for EV routing features and new guides. I'm now recommend new places. Uh, you got the CarPlay, which, you know, talks about uh, custom wallpapers, you know, NFC card tags with iOS 14. You can share your car keys with other people instantly through the messenger app. And then you have um, HomeKit, which now has support for adaptive lighting, facial recognition for security cams. And they have some minor stuff for the iOS. So, like, one thing, this was a big privacy thing they, they kept, was Spotify will not notify you if one of your pass, passwords are leaked in a data breach. Very similar how Google does it now. And for the first time, apparently, this was a, a feature a lot of people were requesting. You now have the option to set your default emails and browsers. So yeah. that's something that was completely new. And some small things like developers now have an option to share subscriptions through face sharing. Very little detail about that, though. New design for Game Center. And a new sleep mode, 
which does both automatically turn on do not disturb, dims your phone screen, and shows your upcoming recording. Mm-hmm. You have the winding timer and everything, right? Uh, what? The winding down timer and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very yeah. So, Another feature that they came out with, right? I don't know if you guys noticed this, but FaceTime will now recognize sign language. So that's actually really oh, a big deal for the whole. That's that's a big for accessibility. Very big for the accessibility marks and everything, but it's only a start right now, right? So I know some people I know on some threads I was reading really want like tech support. So like yeah. when you're doing like when you're doing sign language and then the text comes in and need like subtitles. Mm-hmm. But right now what time we'll do is you guys know how the like pictures like move and emphasize different people? Yep. Yeah. So when someone's gonna be actually doing sign language, it's gonna actually emphasize that person now saying that hey, they're actually talking, but obviously they're not talking, they're signing. You know? Oh wow, that's that's, that's huge that's for the accessibility crazy. community. Huge, that's crazy. Very, I'm very actually I'm really happy about that because I know like uh, sign language is a big accessibility barrier that a lot of people have ne- uh, difficulty implementing in the system. Right? It's usually often overlooked and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, Apple being one of the big heart makers in the field right now, pushing this means that I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Google also announced their version very soon. Oh yeah, uh, no, or, definitely. But like basically, like that, I mean, there's a lot of features. Um, what what are you guys more um would say? I guess looking forward to. I guess for me, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um a lot a lot of their like kind of quality of life changes. Um, so I mean the, the messages stuff I think is going to be really convenient for me. I find myself constantly scrolling through my messages and being able to just pin stuff at the very top is going to be, for me, probably one of the biggest quality of life changes they have um uh, in, the, in their fixing. Um. The app library is going to be pretty cool as well. Um, I think this app clip stuff has a real potential to kind of simplify um, interactions with, you know, different small businesses and different companies. You know, like you said, if you can just walk into a coffee shop and either scan a QR code and, you know, bam, that's it. You don't got to download no app. It automatically logs in um, with your Apple ID account. I mean, this is going to be really kind of just a huge factor for convenience uh, going forward. I think picture in picture is going to be another one that I'll probably get a lot of use out of, you know, constantly going back and forth between apps and maybe I want to have a video up, maybe I want to do this, you know, being able to just kind of do the picture in picture will definitely be very convenient. Um, and then I know the compact view will probably be another one that's really, really cool. You know, not having to have separate screens for everything, you know, get a phone call and not have to interrupt what I'm doing um, currently is going to be, I think, really, really nice. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, these are all like little things I would say, right? But they they add up to a lot of uh, just a more seamless seamless experience, in my opinion. Like they're like little things that you wouldn't really think on on a would stand, but like together they really add up. Pip, the app library. These are all things that I even didn't even think about that I wanted, but now that I hear about it, like yes, how do I not know? I'm finally super excited for inline message replies. Like I think Apple was way behind the game on that yeah. one. But I still think they're still behind. Honestly, I still think they should have they should have done more. I kept watching that section of Messenger and expecting more, and I was still a little disappointed. I'm like, that's it. Like I still feel like they're behind compared yeah. to like yeah. apps like Telegram, WhatsApp. You know, WhatsApp, like you know, you know, these are these are like standard competitors that you know have done simple imitation and what they added. Is greatly appreciated, but they're still far behind the game compared to the other. But hey, at least they also finally gives the ability to pin conversations, also, because it's been always annoying for me to actually find the conversation I'm trying to pin because I get lots of texts per day, yep. especially now during the pandemic time. So it's like it's really nice so that now I can pin conversations to keep most important group chats and everything on top and everything. You know, and I, I think I think probably arguably for me, possibly the biggest change that I'll get a lot of use out of, um, and I don't think we really talked about this at all, but is the support for emoji searching now in your keyboard tray. (laughs) You know, being able to search for what you want. I mean, I find myself, you know, usually you have it on your recent bar, and, you know, for some reason, you know, the emoji you're looking for or always use is not on your recents. You got to sit there and scroll through, and, I mean, that's just a whole pain in the neck every time I'm trying to do that. And being able to just search for what I want, that's a feature I've been longing for for a long time. You know, every time that happens, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could just search for what I want. And, you know, finally being able to do that is going to be super convenient. I mean, 
right but if you have predictive text docs like if you type in like taco or something right like a taco emoji actually shows up on the predictive text box yeah that, that's been a thing but i think now you can actually like look for it, like search for it because those have always been like so uh, basically synonyms like if taco comes out then a taco emoji will come out. yeah and that's yeah. also hit or miss right so depending on what you type in i mean if there's three other words that fit it better that fit better uh, what you typed in than the emoji does the emoji is not guaranteed to show up so it's not guaranteed Oh, 100%. It, I, I actually kind of sometimes find it annoying because yeah. I would, uh, sometimes it would auto-correct into those emojis. Yeah. And I, there's like times, there's, I can tell you there's a lot of times where there are certain situations you don't want to put emojis and uh, it just really, really kills the conversation at appropriate times. But I'm glad. It's, it's like I said, these are, these are things that like you would think we needed, but they're finally implemented them. Or mm-hmm. just things that like I didn't know I needed them, but you know I'm really glad they're here now. And they spoke. Oh yeah. Uh, what, what about you too? What are you looking for? In terms of iOS, to be yeah. honest, not really much. Just cause like. There's really something yeah. there though. I mean, like, well, out of, there's a lot. I mean, they, they, of, they gotta hit everything a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Yeah, like out of everything, I think the one that's gonna be like the most impactful to me moving forward are probably gonna be like the inline message replies and the pin conversations and messages. Mm-hmm. Everything else that's sort of um involved in it like app libraries and stuff i already organized everything by folders on my phone so it's like i never really had that issue true and, and i do the same i'm very big on mm-hmm. that but i like the fact that it's automatic now because like you know with you installing apps or deleting apps i'm off on that because i don't know exactly their sorting algorithm yet right because i know if i go into like screen time and stuff and how it's like counting some apps mm-hmm. it counts them in the wrong categories or sometimes it doesn't even tag the right category at all so it's like, I really want to see how refined that really is before I make a final judgment call on it. True. I mean, like most, most yeah. uh, like, sorting algorithm, I would say uh, with time, and but that will be perfect. You know, thinking about it a little bit more, I don't know if that will necessarily be a huge impact for me. Um, I, I know currently, if I need to find an app, I'm probably just going to swipe down and search for it. You know, like, I feel like that's just so convenient. Like, I'm looking for maybe, you know, Safari or, you know, maybe something I'm not using every single day like uh i I don't know maybe a game or something just swipe down type in two letters and bam it's right there don't gotta search for it don't gotta pull it up don't gotta swipe through any menus it's i think that's probably like currently that's that's my most used one of my most used features on my phone is just that search functionality which is so simple but i mean it saves me so much time from having to sort at all and having to find stuff and remember where things are once again it's just convenience yeah, I think iOS 13 probably had more, I think, critical updates, I would say, than iOS 14. iOS 14 is a nice refinement, but I think iOS 13 really had the more, like, huge emphasis on it, right? So, yeah, but you also remember iOS 13 was pretty buggy. It's not as buggy, though, right? Like, swipe to text and stuff like that was huge. game-changing on iOS 13, man. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was game-changing and stuff like that. I don't really see anything that's super game-changing at this point for iOS. Don't underestimate right? that app clip. I think we might start seeing a lot of that. I would say app clip and widgets. Yeah. Uh, from an aesthetic perspective and a very creative per- person, I would say widgets is a game changer. Well, I think you're definitely right on that one. I think we should also talk about, um, you know, car key support on iPhone coming yes, in with, yes, with iOS yes. 14. You know, this is a really big feature. And I mean, you know. What do you think about that? Because they, they claim, right, these NFC passes that they're talking about, right? Yep. It's throwing a whole new section of a apps secure and enclave for security it's a whole new separate uh security batch they're basically saying yeah that protects these nfc paths. do you see any so, right away some red flags or something? i mean I'm, I'm thinking about this right and I, I believe there was talk about being able to share your car key with someone right you know being yeah, able to share it. so 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 based on my understanding currently right let's let's look at like face id and your your fingerprint id for a second right those are also stored in what I would call like secure storage. And I mean, I was always under the impression um, that you're actually not able to get your fingerprint out of that secure storage. The only thing that you can do is send data in and compare it with the data that's inside of that storage and either get a yes or a no, it matches out of that, right? It's either going to say, yes, you can unlock it or no, you can't unlock it, right? And... Uh, there's no way, to, at least no way that I'm aware of, to recover your fingerprint or to share your fingerprint with another phone, right? Like, that just doesn't happen. So, 
I mean, those two things kind of seem counterintuitive to me. If you're able to recover it, then what's the difference between putting it in your secure storage and putting it in regular storage, right? Like, if you can get back to it, what's, you know, what's, 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 uh, what's, what's, what's the safeguard here? I mean, I think Clarkies probably has more underneath than we're thinking. I think Clarkies is going to be implemented similar to how, like, Apple Card and all the and wallet is set up. I think yeah. it's definitely going to be way more secure on that end. I can't say at all because I'm not going to be a user of this feature, so I can't really say how much is actually going to benefit people. Um, whereas you can just like toss car keys like across the room if you're with the person. Well, you know, I think that's something that uh, something that might actually happen here that we might see is um, this is the way I would envision this working. You know, you have an app on your phone or whatever. You go and you say, "Hey, generate temporary key." The temporary key is then set up, and you can send a temp key to somebody, and that temp key then expires, and your car will recognize that it expired, and, I mean, maybe your phone always retains that master key or something you know, along that, those lines. That does make sense because they did talk about restricted profiles. Or, like, if you have kids, like teenagers, and you want them to give them restrictive access to the car, right? Give them a yeah. restricted profile. So the way you're explaining it in the setup, that kind of sounds almost identical to how it based on the yeah, if I, if I had to guess, I think that's the only way I can really see that working. Um, you know, I would agree. Because if you're I giving out just one single key and then, you know, being able I to work that's almost not possible. Yeah. So it, it's got to be profile-based like that where you're generating them and, you know, the, the owner of that car, the owner of that main app or whatever is able to then just revoke it or kill the profiles or, you know, generate new keys or whatever. And I could be wrong, but it sounded like it, the keys were tied to the hardware. Not not anything cloud or anything like that. So it sounds like the the master key lives on your phone, and then basically, like you yeah. said, it's generating keys for people you want, like for friends or family. Mm-hmm. But these are yeah. just for you know temp keys. You know, I would assume that's the approach. I'm gonna sidestep this conversation. Let's go on to iPad OS. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, that I just want also to clarify one thing, right? The implication of this means: Did you guys feel? Like, they were really pushing for a lot of car support, you know, in general. I thought that, like, the whole uh, announcement of partnership with BMW, especially with the NFC cars, for me, I felt like strong rotation to the rumors how, like, Apple, you know, smart car and everything like that, you know? Yeah. No, uh, it, it, could, it could be. You know, I mean, it's a big market, and, I mean, they put a lot of work into their CarPlay systems, and, I mean... Apple, Apple like, iPads and I mean maybe maybe Car OS is something we could see in the future and a future WWDC. I don't know. 100%. I mean I, 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 I wouldn't put it past like them. Layups. I, I would see this like setups. You know they're basically setting up. They're just testing the waters, little yeah. foundation. And I and I can definitely see these features being implemented in the actual Apple Car, like the NF, N, NFC car keys. Uh, profile. Yeah, I definitely see a Car OS in the future. Just not in, I would say, not within at least the next couple of years. I think there's still some more refinements they need to do. And you have to remember, you know, it's it's tricky because Apple's known for working on their own hardware, you know. Mm-hmm. This is the first yeah. time kind of going outside their own hardware and going with, you know, car manufacturer's hardware. So well, you don't remember, right, like, Apple's not afraid to partner with people, right? That's the whole thing why they partnered with PowerPC before and Intel, you know. They're not afraid to be like, we can't handle this completely hardware based. Let's partner with people who do learn from them from years of partnership, and then when we're ready, tackle it. You know, that's why they're doing a push now to. Chips you know, now. and I don't think the car space is anything Apple would ever really want to get into. And I mean, if there's if there's a way for them to make money in that space, even though they're never actually going to be building cars, I mean, Car OS is definitely the route that they would take. Awesome. Yeah. To do an acquisition for a car company in the future, to be honest with you, they got they got a lot of money sitting in the bank, right? They got so, car, yeah, they got cash reserves. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they basically jump started. You know, buy a car, company. buy like maybe Tesla. And that's, I know that's always been the rumor mill since 2015 that they're gonna go yeah. and buy Tesla, right? So it's like we'll you see. Know. We'll see. I mean, that's definitely. I, I I highly doubt that's not on the table right now, and that's not on their minds right now. But I would love. I just like the you know the setup, the implications that's will set in. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it seems like they're really focusing on like, oh, we're working with cars now, right? Because for me, you know, car, car, car play has always been there, right? But never been like very important. Like it's always been like, oh, you can now like change mm-hmm. background stuff, and like yeah, like, it didn't have big features, right? But that whole partnership with BMW 
and now with Ford apparently they're also doing some later on down the line the pop line. Yep. I feel like they're they're definitely potentially going that route. Anyway, like two said, let's now move on to iPad OS, which is my my opinion, my most excited. Because I'm a big iPad. You want to go through some of the uh, major changes? Nine. Let's yeah. Get a, kind of kind of get a feel for it. Sure. So let's. Um, so first things first. All most or not all implementations changes that are going to make to iOS 14 will come to iPad 14. iPad 14. Um, there's going to be a new sidebar to make it easier to navigate through apps. Uh, they completely redesigned the search on iPad, so it works almost exactly, and it looks like exactly like the spotlight on Mac OS. Uh, and the big thing, right? The very big thing that they're adding is essentially Scribble, Scrabble, right? Scrabble. Scribble. 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 So this whole thing is basically allowing you to have, make it handwriting on the iPad feel more seamless and powerful and more integrated, right? Mm-hmm. So if you write something on your notes, your iPad will be able to easily copy and paste handwrite uh, notes across the apps. So to Word or stuff, this text can also be, that you write can be searched online, pasted to the documents. If, and it even has uh, intelligent uh, mapping. So, like, if you write down a address or a phone number, iPad will even recognize this, you know, one of these texts and even prompt activities based on it. So, like, if you write down a phone number and then you click on it, it will let you do what to call this phone number, right? Or if an address, it will tell you want to get directions. And they had uh, correcting shapes, what they're called. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. shape which is something I already worked with. Uh, a lot of apps... A lot of note-taking apps on the iPad already have a very similar feature to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not something crazy new for me. But that whole hyper-intelligent, like, yeah, that was, like, insane to me. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? For me, that's a big game-changer. I love Scribble. Honestly, I Scribble may actually be the actual feature that gets me to buy an iPad and switch over to iPad. You guys know me. I'm still a pen and paper dude, and I love taking notes on pen and paper. But, like... Over, switch over. But uh, Scribble may be the game-changing feature that may actually get me to switch over. You know, because Scribble's been... The way they showed the demo, the way they went about everything, it was very smooth, very clean, um, especially when that uh, lady was typing in those Chinese characters and those were coming out so, like, well and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really cool. You know, Scratch to Delete's also really nice. You don't to switch to the eraser or anything. I really like that. I really like that because naturally I always have this urge to like just scratch it out, right? And then I realize my mistake. I'm like, oh, I got to erase it. Yeah. I really like now that it actually is working with me. I'm out of a fight with it. And yeah, I mean, they added some stuff that other apps already kind of use, like the correction shape yep. stuff. And like with, with the note-taking app that I use, uh, it's called GoodNotes, right? Mm-hmm. They have very similar things what they talk about in Scrabble or uh, it can recognize text writing stuff, right? So these are not complete new groundbreaking technology, but the fact that I can now copy it and it converts it to text automatically or that it recognizes it, yep. like a number, that's big. No, from my from my experience, no other app on the market has done that yet. Oh, yeah. Well, it's really hard to do, right? You got to realize a lot of these things are probably going to be using some type of machine learning um, to go from drawn text NLP. to actual NLP. text and NLP yeah. exactly, and I mean Apple is I mean who's who's going to do it better than them? I mean maybe maybe Google or maybe Microsoft, but I mean, when it comes to that no, space, exactly. yeah. you know, when it comes to this space, I mean this is these are the guys that are going to be doing it the best. So I mean I, I imagine that anything they do in that realm would blow out any of those third-party apps right out of the water. I just really hope they they allow these features to apps developers you know to take a full advantage of this too because i would love to see this not just in notes but in, like throughout other apps and really utilize the apple pencil oh yeah that, that would really. actually be great you can you imagine that if you had some type of uh callable api on the phone that they would be able to or even just like a service that they that you can use or a library i, I was thinking convert. like earth, like just think about microsoft office like Think about trying to write notes on our PowerPoint quickly and it converts it to text. Yeah. Or trying to draw like a little shape on your PowerPoint to help, you know, give feedback on something and it converts it to text or, or you're writing um, on Microsoft Word and you're trying to write a list of addresses and it instantly, you know, lets you call them or navigate. To, I, I'm really thinking big potential in this. Yeah. And I really hope they, you know, share this to other app developers or APIs or stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see. But honestly, as a 
as a primary iPad Apple Pencil combo note taker, this is this is a godsend. This is something exactly what I was looking for, and I hope they keep going down. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you see any use, right, as somebody that writes notes um, on their with their Apple Pencil on their iPad? Do you see any use for translation in the reverse order, being able to take typed out text and convert it to drawn text, like almost handwritten? So, like, to make sure I'm, you're clear on that, basically, I'm writing in one language, like Spanish, and then convert it to English as a text. No, so I mean more along the lines of you find a document that's typed out, and you want yep. it, you want it to fit the theme of your notes, so you want it to be converted to your kind of like handwritten format. Sometimes I, I can sometimes I can find that if I'm reading through a a, a big thick document, right? Um, typed out text can get kind of cluttered. It can get a little annoying to read, and I mean sometimes handwritten stuff just looks better, especially when you have to reread it over and over again. Honestly, um. I'm not sure. Uh, it mostly comes down to the the type of information you're working with, right? So if you're working with a lot of information, I would say like uh, like a document, like a re- like a story or, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of want to type that out because if you're working with so much information, handwritten just takes up way too much space. Yeah. And you're you're just you're doing so much effort just to read through all that line of text, like a research paper, right? You you don't want to see a research paper handwritten. Right. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how just imagine how much more pages it's gonna take up. But in, in the other sense of the spectrum, right? There there are a certain information that's just so much more easily digestible with handwritten, right? Like uh, like a good one is in the in the science field, right? When you're taking you're doing formulas, math equations, math mm-hmm. equations, right? They just taught you just can't do that naturally with typing. It's just so much functionality, and especially I would say in my experience, handwriting notes are easy in short bursts while typing is better for a long-term session mm-hmm. right so if you if it's something like you're like no no taking during a meeting no taking during a uh you know a, a really thought out you know thinking process 100 percent, i would do handwriting if i was doing like studying for a major exam or like trying to you know jot down notes from a slide into a, a thing i'd rather think through text because i can organize it better and it's just easier to manipulate over time. But I mean, like, with this whole new feature, I mean, that 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 gap gets narrowed now because you're telling me I can now kind of convert to the other one. You know, like I can kind of get both advantages and you know adapt to it. It's like a hybrid system. So we'll see. Honestly, I'm really excited for this. I, I and for me, I hope this is just the foundation and not just that's it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Let's also talk about compact search on iPad now. Do you guys think this is a good thing or a bad thing for iPad? I mean, I'll start with myself. Personally, I think this is a really good change for iPad. I found that using an iPhone-like search search bar on an iPad always felt a little clunky to me. On iPad, I think Compact Search is a much better option. What do you guys think? Can you remind me again what Compact Search? Uh, so, you know, on, on your on your Macs, when you pull up the search bar, it kind of pops up right in your screen. You, know, you hit, like, mm-hmm. uh, Command Space Bar, and it pops up. It'll be searching yep. just like that, but on iPad. Uh, it's basically the spotlight yep. um, on it. I personally think that it's... Uh, I, honestly, I have no quorums with it. I have no problem with it. Um, and I do see benefits. I just don't think it's like a major change. When they were announcing it, I thought they were making huge changes to the search algorithm. right? But then I realized mm-hmm. it was just a design change, really. Right, and a lot of the things that were, that were listing, from my opinion, that that were like features, like listing contacts or documents, right, as you yep. search, those things are already implemented in the iPad with the old search, right. So it's not like it's going to dramatically change how searching is done, but it is done in a way that I would say it's nicer and much more quicker to the point. So while I wouldn't, while I would say it's a really good feature and I welcome it, I wouldn't say it's just such it's a major feature that's going to like completely change how I search. So yep. that's my opinion on it. And I, I think we also have uh, the last thing on the iPad was they pretty much, I mean, they talk about everything else is going to be on uh, the, uh, what's it called, iPad. The iOS is going to be on the same thing. So pretty much just, I mean, Scrabble is pretty much the only big major thing uh, other than the uh, new AR kit that they announced too, which is, once again, it's going to try to add more AR uh, applications to the iPad. 
It seems like they're really pushing for AR on the iPad. Mm -hmm. So with that, let's talk about quickly about the quick updates to the AirPods. Mm -hmm. uh, how mm -hmm. many of you guys have AirPods? So I, I do have AirPods. I don't have the Pros, but I do have AirPods. I do have the AirPods too, not the Pros. What about you two? I still don't have AirPods. I'm still waiting for that volume feature, man. Well, you better stop waiting. They're great. Anyway, <laughs> the new updates to the AirPods essentially is, uh, it's a small one, but I think it's a much needed one that's for a while. Essentially, you're now able to switch between seamlessly between devices. And I really like the oh, way that yeah. they, they, uh, they showcased it. He says, basically, if you're on a call, close your phone after the call is done and you're watching a video on your laptop, which is to that. If, uh, what's it called? If you had a quick uh, thing you have to look up on your iPad, it switches to that automatically. So based on where the audio source is coming from and, you're, and it detects your AirPods are on, it would automatically switch to the right device. If it's already, I think, I assume it's, if it's paired already once. Yep. You know, you know, you know I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm excited for that feature. Don't get me wrong. I think that's better than not having it at all. However, I think this is just kind of not good enough for me, at least, you know, what I would really like to see is multi-device pairing, right? Maybe let all of my devices connect to the AirPods. You know, not that I want to play music from my phone. I want to, you know, type an email or something on my uh, MacBook. And I have to swap back and forth between the two. You know, that just seems a little inconvenient to me. I would much rather have been completely multi-device functionality. Um so I think that would be really cool to see in the future, but I mean, for now, this is this is like I still like I said, it's still a good update, still much needed. So I'm yeah, like have it. I agree with you. Like it's it's very similar to the whole search thing. Something I think that would improve my life, but not dramatically. Like I mean, I I don't see myself even now where I'm not really using the AirPods anymore. Back when I was using them heavily, I think I only like maybe switch them, switch devices with them like maybe once a week. Right, usually primarily it was like on one device and that's mm -hmm. it. Right. So like if for like my Mac I have my headphones already set up. For my iPhone for my iPhone, I only really use headset headphones when I'm outside or like yep. in a public place. And for my iPad, I'm usually using them at home, so I just blast it on speakers. So you know not crazy good, but for my, for my AirPods, right, like typically what'll happen is if I'm on my phone, right, usually I've always got them in just when I'm doing anything, I'm listening to music on my phone. You know, if I break open my MacBook and I go start do some work, you know, I just pair them now into my MacBook. So not having to go through that pairing step is, is like I said, it's convenient. But, I mean, the, you know, being able to go back and forth and back and forth, that doesn't seem as big of a deal to me. You know, like, I, I, once I've now opened my MacBook, um, I'm going to be using iTunes on my Mac. I'm going to be using YouTube and, you know, Gmail and anything I'm going to be accessing through my laptop now. So, I mean, do I really need seamlessly back and forth like a hundred times um i don't know if that's totally like i said totally what? necessary now I, I do tend to prefer stuff on my phone like for instance i think um music the music app on my iphone is way better than the itunes app on my macbook i'm much more comfortable using the, the mobile version of it i think it's a lot more seamless and user-friendly um you know so being able to maybe listen to music from my phone while also doing work and maybe I got to listen to a quick review or watch a quick YouTube video or tutorial or something on my MacBook. That would really be my ideal use case. So, like I said, it's supposed to be like exactly what you just said. You know, you're working on your MacBook and then all of a sudden you get a phone call. So you answer the phone call and now your AirPods automatically switch to your phone so you can take the phone call in private, mm -hmm. whereas it doesn't happen now, right? And then once you're done with the phone call, it's going to automatically pair back with your MacBook once you start to play a video or some sort of sound or something, you know? Yeah. So it's supposed to be something along those lines, like a productivity thing, so that you never have to take two or three minutes of your time to keep interconnecting the, the two. They're always just connected to both your devices at all times, so you never really have to worry about that. I think a biggest update to the AirPods um, is definitely the new spatial sounding feature, On the right? Pros, right? How, how they're how this is very cool how they're adjusting the sound based off you know what position the airpods are in what position your head's in mm -hmm. and also what position the device you're using is in so they're actually like narrowing all of the sound all of those locations together to create the best sound experience for you which i think is very 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 cool yeah. very dope very dope unfortunately it's only for the airpods pro but i can kind of this sounds like a very hardware intense processing so yeah. i can kind of see why no, no, i agree 
But yeah, I mean, supposedly they say it provides a much more immersive sound experience. Uh, I would love to get a test run of those if I could to really test out that capability of that. I think it would be really great for um, uh, like video watching. You know, if, they, if video streaming service could really tap into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like movies. Oh, just imagine the experience you'd have with a good spiritual experience on a movie. Yep. Anyway, next next thing, big one, uh, watch OS, right? Yep. So, What's that? How do you guys have uh, Apple Watches? How do you guys have Apple Watches? I do not have an Apple Watch, actually. Nope, same here. Nope. So I'm the only one here yep. that has an Apple Watch. Two, actually. And I love it. I freaking love the Apple Watch. I honestly think it was... It, when I first bought it, I thought it was something that was like, I'm never going to use this thing. It's it's kind of like, I'm just an Apple fanboy. It just looks shiny. I'm just going to get it. But honestly, it it really did dramatically improve my experience. And I'm really happy about the new watch, uh, watch OS updates. So let's uh, quickly... Now, let me go down them real quick. Um, first things first, face swapping, right? This is a really highly requested feature for a long time. But apparently, Apple is now letting you share your watch faces with uh, a feature called face swapping. And you can add these uh, customized watch faces to your Apple Watch by and mm-hmm. by sharing it through, you know, websites or social media. And they're now letting developers create their own watch faces. So very mm-hmm. big, huge feature that a lot of people have been requesting on the Apple Watch community. Dancing is now a big one. And this one may seem like a kind of a joke or something that doesn't take seriously. But this is actually a pretty big, um, I would say, a pretty big feature. Uh so it uses the the Apple Watch's gyroscope and a sensor right? And makes some honor, and it mixes with the heart rate data to track a range of different uh, dance types. So it, it kind of basically tries to track down what dance type you're doing, which is crazy to me. And this is a first for any uh, workout app at all. So once this is on the market, this will be the only app right now that can provide this kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's crazy. I, I apparently it's a big what a uh, big requested feature, and the fact that they're gonna be the first ones on the market to push this and hopefully do it well. That's I think that's a huge plus. I think it's a really good feature. They also got sleep tracking now, so apparently using machine learning to track your sleep. And, I mean, there's been sleep tracking on the Watch OS before, but apparently this is a more um, in-depth, uh, accessible thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you can now uh, utilize the Apple Watch sensors to track your motion. The competitive, the companion app on the iPhone won't require Apple Watch to use, but there is no specific detail on how um, sleep, how your sleep is being tracked. But that's more upcoming later on. Uh, and the last thing is hand washing, which which was a little funny, uh, but I mean uh, it's a big feature right now with the current circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Just uses machine learning to determine when you start washing your hands, and Apparently, the microphone on the Apple Watch actually listens to the sound of the splashing water and to confirm that you actually finished washing your hands. You know, it's a, it's a very cool feature, but whenever I see that, oh, it uses the microphone to listen for X, right? Like, to listen for splashing water. This is always yeah. something that's very concerning to me, and this is why I typically keep my microphone deactivated and I don't use any of these features, simply because, you know... If the microphone is listening for X, that means it's listening always to everything, you know, and I personally see that as a little bit of a security concern. So Fair enough. I've always been totally against um, different features like that. And I know, like, you know, you have, like, Hey Siri, and, you know, I don't even have an Alexa or a Google Home in my house for these same reasons, so. Well, I mean, I think, especially with the face swapping, I mean, these are pretty good... Uh, features to add to WatchOS. Nothing crazy, nothing big, but pretty much these are just features that have been highly requested by the community and mm-hmm. you know, finally coming forward. So I, for one, are very excited about this. You got any, you guys any got? I know you guys don't have. You know, you know, you guys are not Apple Watch users, so you know, you guys don't have much experience on this. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty much, um, I'm pretty much the only one excited for this one. Mm-hmm. So let's move down to Apple TV OS. Sure. Not that much. To be honest with you, really, really, and it, it it almost seems you know with the with them launching Apple TV Plus, you would think they would add more features, but um, 
I think the big one you're going to probably mention, though, is um, it's sort of related to tvOS, but and so it's a part of tvOS 14, but it's the new HomeKit 14, right? Where all the cameras and everything actually provide facial recognition. So when someone comes and rings a doorbell to your house, if you have like a ring doorbell installed and you already have that set up with HomeKit, what's really nice is that if you have this person as a contact and you have them tagged as like a photo in one of your photos, um, bam, it'll show you their face face recognition. It'll be like, for example, like, hey, like James is at the door, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so it'll just go and show you that, hey, this person's at the door and it's really nice to have all that whole facial recognition feature come in, you know? I mean, yeah, that's a good point, honestly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I really want to look more into that home, the home kit thing because uh, I'm wondering if Apple is fully providing those, you know, machine learning facial recognition from their end, right? Yep. With their oh, yeah. kit. Because if that's the case, then that means that essentially if you get any microphone hardwire it to be uh, working with the home kit, right? It's, it now instantly has become a camera that can has facial recognition software into it. Yeah, so Apple is doing it. Uh, they mentioned during the keynote that it was through your own photos. So when you're tagging, so it's not really machine learning per se. It's sort of like tagging or simulating. Yeah, so it's like if I have pictures of like my mom, for example, on my phone, and I tag that this person, that this person is my mom. Then when she's at the door, it's gonna say "mom is at the door" for me. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, a really facial detection tagging feature. I mean, I mean, you can speak with this with me on this too, for but I mean, we're both really big into the IoT kind of community, right? Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. major, we you know, stuff that like you know the home kit. These are really good services and software that basically improve IoT devices and basically allow them to be much more powerful simply by uh, updates. So I, I, for one, am, actually, I'm looking home, looking forward to the HomeKit oh, update. And, you know, like the, the fact that like any camera now that's tied to the HomeKit can now become one that has face recognition. You don't have to buy like a Nest camera or anything like that. Fully eye control what's going in and out, what's what what kind of data is being passed through. That's I'm fully supportive of that. Uh, but like to back to uh, Apple TV OS, honestly, the only big uh, stuff to talk about is the, they added the support of multi-profile, right? So like if you have Apple Arcade, right, you can switch between profiles, so, so you don't conf- uh, there's no conflicts of progress, and uh, you know it's it's getting pip, picture in picture. Also. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Apple TV 4K is actually going to be able to stream 4K YouTube videos now too. So yes, that just came, yeah, that came out too recently. So I mean, these are these are like. Features, but I mean, like, I kind of expecting more. You know, I mean, I always felt like Apple TV was a little bit always like the, I would say the middle child of the, of the Apple lineup. You know, mm-hmm. kind of always forgotten, still there, present, just you know. Some of these features like, are more like, wait, you mean these weren't here already? Question mark. Type yeah, things? yeah. <laughs> Even more to the extent of like iOS, you know, stuff when they're stealing stuff for Android. Clearly, uh, this is more just clearly like. How do they not have them already? Like yep. these are like essential features, you know. Like I think, I think the key thing with TVOS to keep in mind, right, is that TVOS is sort of like their whole like IoT division. So within TVOS, you would have like HomePod, for example. So you have HomePod, you have TV, you have Apple TV, and you have like HomeKit and all these development features, right? Yeah. So it's not just like a one. It's not just like you can't really just see it as just that one standalone box, right? You have to see it as like a part of a broader family and community of objects is the way i think apple's looking at it to be honest i don't know but that's the way i've always seen you're kind of right it, it seemed like they weren't even giving it like its own separate corridor it's kind of how all the airpods was tied with ipad os or yeah. how like um home was tied to ios you know these are like sub sub departments you know mm-hmm. that you know provide good work but just not have the manpower or the attention like mac like mac os or ios and stuff mm-hmm. like that so i mean like you know they're good. I just hope this doesn't mean like. I just hope they just give a little bit more support. I think yep. Apple TV could be something really big. I was actually messing around with it the other day. I forgot it existed on my iPad. Uh, but as I was playing with it, um, I mean, there's some good features. I like that it connects all your streaming services. So you have like one platform for everything, mm-hmm. right? So like, if I, I can have my watch my watch list on one app, and even if it's even though like I was like looking at um, 90 Day Fiance, right? Uh, the first five seasons are in Hulu, and the other last two are in uh, TLC uh, now, right? It's a separate app that I have to download, right? So it was it was always seemed annoying to me to have to switch streaming service, but with the Apple TV's you know software, it's all done under one hood, 
character per se. So like it connects the missing parts, and I really love that. Mm-hmm. But playing with it, it it's still a way long way to go, and I just hope they kind of like you know recognize the potential there and pick up the pace. Anyway, Why don't we move let's on. talk about the, let's, get into let's Mac move OS. on. Yeah, yeah, the big big one. I would say other than iOS, this is the big brother of the of the family, mm-hmm. Mac OS or Big Sur as they're calling it for this one. Huge redesign, and I know you're partially mixed about this too. Right, I love. You like uh, it? I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of the updates that are coming through. I'm not a fan of the new aesthetic, but the underlying support and the biggest thing I'm a huge fan of coming out is Apple's building their own Apple Silicon ARM chips. Which yeah, I'm- we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me let me run down the features so you guys understand what's going on. So first things first, huge redesign, like two says, right? Very inspired by the Mac by iOS, right? So, new customization control center, very similar to iPhone's customization control center. New notification center, very similar to iOS's. Um, now that it has widgets and notifications. Menu bar is now taller, more translucent. Interface, font color changes. Pull-down menus are larger with more spaces between lines. Windows are more transparent with rounder edges. New streamlined icons for, mat, for uh, in-house apps like mail, photo, notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these these new icons have been redesigned to be more consistent, apparently, with the across the Apple ecosystem. Um, and some of the most you know iOS features are also coming towards it. You know the whole pin conversational yeah. messengers; these are also coming with the Mac OS. You know, before we move uh, on, let's I just want to discuss one thing about the design that kind of worries me. Um, sure. It's it seems like they're adopting a lot of their you know mobile platform aesthetics and design choices and. That seems like it might be a really good thing, but at the same time, it's a little worrisome to me because, I mean, let's all think about the last time a computer or desktop or laptop operating system tried to t- tried to adopt a mobile feel. You know, mm-hmm. Windows 8, and it crashed and burned because it tried to imitate a tablet, right? So my big fear here is they try to imitate a mobile experience too much on a desktop or a laptop experience, and it crashes and burns like Windows 8 did. That's uh. That's honestly that's a really good point, and honestly, I I can fully see where you're coming from. The only big difference I would say between those two is pretty much, while yes, these are big changes, and it seems like even um, uh, Tim uh, Tim Nook said this uh, from his own quote. He says he wanted to be more consistent with the whole Apple ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? So he's clearly making an effort to kind of like make a whole everything on the same platform kind of thing. Yep. I think the big difference to keep in mind is that Windows. Eight uh, didn't just change the aesthetic of how it worked. They changed the whole organization. Whole that's now, yep, that's a good point. Right? These are these. The layout was completely tied to a desktop layout, which should have never been from the get go. While yes, notification center, control center, and you know, men- and uh, you know, the whole menu bar are now more consistent with the iOS counterpart. They're still where they. They're still where they were, in the, in the old Mac OS, right? They're yep. not really being changed. And the primary functionality, how it works, and layout, still very, it's still the same. So I, I, I can see where this is coming from. You know, like, I don't like think. Like I said, I'm pretty happy with the changes. It's just a worry I have. I don't want them to overdo it and for it to be too much. I do hope that you're right about that, and that Apple keeps that in mind as they move forward. Because you know, it's a slippery, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yep. I think the way I'm really looking at like Big Sur coming out, I would view it more as like how Windows 10 is now, right? How, like, you still have all, like, of the Windows 8 sort of, like, widgets and apps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's still Windows at the end of the day. So, it's like, Mac, I think it's the same thing where you have, like, all the new aesthetic that's more iOS, iPadOS-like. Yep. But yeah. at the end of the day, underneath the hood, it's still Mac. You know, it's Mac OS. You run. This is a desktop we're talking about here. This is a desktop. This is a laptop. This is, like, this is the full-blown computer software. Yep. That's what is the separator here. That's true. And speaking of which, of designs too, tell me what you think about the new redesign icons. Not a big fan, to be honest with you. I love, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast too. It's like, I really, really like the way the icons already are on, uh, what is it, Catalina we're on right now? Yeah, Catalina. I really like the way the icons and like how Notification Center and everything work right now on Catalina. So I, I'm not too, too big of a fan of how the new icons look. 
it's really just it seems more like the iOS iPad OS dock rather than you know I don't think of Mac OS when I see these icons you know I think of iPad OS and iOS when I see these right and I'm not a big fan of the new control center for Mac I like how you can drag and drop like do not disturb or something like that to like the top of the toolbar I think that's a nice feature but control center and notification center for Mac I kind of like how notification center is now how you have that two divider page thing one for notifications and one for like your widgets and stuff right so it's like we'll see we'll see how I really feel about it once I actually run through the whole OS in October November when it comes out but um we'll the, see. Jury, the jury's still on that mm-hmm. yeah but I think the biggest I think the nicest thing coming out of Mac OS though is uh the new um crazy updates in Safari I think I think they did such an amazing overhaul both security wise and just you know battery life wise and everything in Safari that you know I'm really thinking about switching over. And so let's, it, let's talk about them real quick so we know everyone's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so they claim, right, these are the new updates to Safari. The browser can now load popular apps. They haven't mentioned what that means, but popular websites now 50% faster than Chrome does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, it's easier on the battery, apparently, so much more better for pa- power management. Uh, new redesign on, ta- on tabs, so, you know, more of a minimalistic design. Hovering over tabs, not give users a preview of its pages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right-clicking on tablets give you the option now to close all tablets to the right of it, which is, I don't think any other browser has uh, featured right now. And customizable start pages, you can change the background page uh, image of it or select what should be displayed on it. Uh, built-in automatic translation features, so now you can interpret entire websites in seven different languages instantly. Uh, this is a big one, I think. Um, getting support for extensions that are made for other browsers. So, and a dedicated extension store within the Apple Store, which now allows you to customize which uh, uh, sites your extension can run on and when. Mm-hmm. And to even further push you to go away from Chrome, you can easily import your history, bookmarks, and password from Chrome. You see, that's, that's I think, my biggest selling point because I brought this up with you um, when we were going through it, and it's like, when we were actually watching WWDC and going through it, I was like, look, if I could port my bookmarks and all this stuff over to Safari... You know, you kind of, you kind of got me changing because you know we've heard, heard about your prayers. They heard your prayers. I mean, you know, we heard these RAM issues for so many years now, and I mean, it, it might, it might be time. It might be time for me to switch over. You know, we all know, you know, Chrome has this, you know, reputation of being a memory hog. You know, and and you know, if you have the memory to spare, it's fine. But you know, as you know, as you work with a, a lot of pages at a time, as you know, as you develop or do any type of work, right, it kind of becomes unacceptable. After a while, just how much it takes up, you know. Even if you have like 16 gigs or 32 gigs of RAM, it just seems unaccessible that RAM Chrome should be taking this much. And yeah. especially also, there's history of like Chrome just, just draining your battery, just completely wiping it, right? So you're if you're telling me that you can load it faster than Chrome and also be nicer in the battery, you're you're <laughs> you're slowly convincing me that you know maybe Safari is a better option. And personally, yeah. I don't like how it, you know, I always really like how Safari loads and interpret these websites. It, it was probably more features than me. Chrome has gotten better over the years, but I think Safari has. I think Safari really has blown it out of the water this time, man. For me, uh, the big thing that really considered me changing over was their their announcement of extensions, right? I, I think that's the one thing Chrome had a big uh, hand over Safari for the longest time mm-hmm. was their community support of like extensions and stuff like that. That's also why I really liked Chrome for a while, because if there was a problem with it, an extension fixed it. If there was some sort of issue with the website, like, you know, ads and stuff, Chrome fixed it. The community behind Chrome was just so powerful to fix these things, right? And now that they're telling me that they're looking forward to that and adding, you know, dedicated extensions store within the App Store, I mean, it really gives me hope, and I really hope the community does step up and provide the same, you know, support that Chrome had. You know, that way, if they do, that really will go. The only, the only thing I, that I still see that I think Chrome might be doing slightly better than Safari is the cross-platform capability of Chrome. You know, like, I sync it, I log into my email, whether I sign it on my phone, my tablet, my MacBook, my Windows desktop, my Ubuntu, you know, virtual machine, like, regardless of what I'm logging into, so long as it's Chrome, I sign in, and everything is completely synced. It's fully seamless across every single device. And, I mean, it, it just works really, really well. And, I mean, that's a really good experience so we'll see. We'll see how. Um, that's a really good concern, honestly. Uh, we'll see how Safari handles that. I mean, they, they definitely seem like they're trying to take Chrome now head on. No, no. Uh, what's it called? 
all hands on deck on this one. Oh, so yeah. we'll see if well, they tackle that. I mean, we saw, um, you know, Microsoft Edge gave up. They just, they're using Chromium now, so they, they yeah, stopped so, trying. And, I mean, you, you're left with Firefox, you're left with Chrome, and you're left with, like, Safari now. So, I mean, Safari better start putting some work. Uh, otherwise, yeah. they're never going to be able to freaking keep Never going to change, yeah. And competition is always good, so I really hope Safari does bring it up. And another thing I think you can say that Safari is trying to win over, over Chrome is their new privacy focus, you know? Yep. Uh, they announced that uh, it was going to have a whole new privacy report that basically lists cross-site tracking that your browser has blocked over the last 30 days, new password monitoring tools, which Safari can help you upgrade to secure passwords. Any of your saved passwords have been detected in a... Uh, data breach. Yep. And uh, apps in the app store will now include a type of data that these apps may collect, and whenever these, what kind of data is being shared with third parties for tracking. You they know, compare it like uh, food nutrition labels, essentially. For me, I think these privacy changes are the most attractive of yeah. almost everything that they've done because I mean, you guys know I'm very security conscientious, and of course, of course. Um, you know, I have my fair share of issues with Google as a company and their data and privacy policies and how they've, you know, done things in the past and are continuing to do things um, versus I love Apple. I think they're the only one of the only tech companies that have outside of the public eye defended the privacy of their consumers. And I mean, out of every tech company out there, all, all the big ones, I think they're the ones I trust most with my data. So, yeah, they've been known to really do uh, not just say it, but do the uh, do the walk when it comes to privacy. So I really I, I think if if. They're gonna have a, a an edge over Chrome. I would say it's privacy. You know, oh, you know yeah. with the performance, if they have the performance and the battery, and of course, if they can also provide that cross-platform experience, then Chrome is gonna have a hell of a beatdown if it doesn't change soon. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And um, of course, they said that they're also updating Swift UI to make it easier to create apps that are throughout the whole thing. So these are big. These are the big, you know, Mac OS changes, right? big one being safari and the whole redesign right now this leads us into our biggest topic perhaps of the decade this has been, apple for the deck i mean for the decade this is um 17 years now right i yeah 17 years um apple is now making their own silicon chips and uh, processors for their new mac hardware now before we get into you know speculation and talk about this let's run down the facts because there are some misconceptions right um one, it's not complete replacing Intel. Uh, so they said that these the new Intel Power Macs are still in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. They're not moving exclusively to the, their new ARM-based Macs just yet. I think it was rumored uh, to be at least another two years before before there's yeah, a chance so, at full conversion. Uh, so Cook uh, mentioned that it, the transition would take two years, which I believe is the same amount of time that it took uh, Steve Jobs to do it from PowerPC to Intel. So. You know, I think that's where you're getting his benchmark here. But yeah, Apple's officially moving its own, making its own silicon chips for Mac hardware. Uh, as Tim Cook says, it's an historic day for Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar addition from Pac, uh, PowerPC to Intel back in 2004. Uh, it would release a Mac with Apple Silicon, as they're calling it, by the end of this year. And the biggest addition to this move that they say is will bring will be the ability to have iOS and iPad apps running natively on macOS in the future. You're talking about full native support on these things. So like completely the line between these OSs are more and more getting blurry every day. Now uh performance wise, right? Mm-hmm. They mentioned that they're promising way new level new levels of power performance with far less power consumption. There's a whole new this whole new common ARM-based architecture is already implemented across different Apple products like the iPad and iPhone, right? So now you're, you're with such similar architecture, it should make it easier for developers to write and optimize code across every major Apple device now, right? They said that Apple's own pro apps like uh, Final Cut Pro will be updated to support the com- company's new silicon. There you yeah. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, what, he's, what Tim's saying, like it's already, already done, so... Don't have to worry about that. Even Microsoft is helping out by making sure that uh, at least they said Word and Excel is already running on the Word and Excel already running on now. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I was reading this earlier. This wasn't mentioned, I think, in the thing, but uh, PowerPoint, although it's not running natively yet, will be also using Apple's Metal Tech rendering, which is really nice. Oh wow! Uh, and they're also working with Adobe to get their pro apps running too, since these are major, you know, popular pro- uh, apps like Photoshop and all that to work. 
thing they uh, didn't mention about Apple Silicon? Do you know what's the one thing they didn't mention about Apple Silicon? What is it? Bootcamp is officially dead, actually, on Apple Silicon. So Bootcamp will no longer be a thing on Apple Silicon-based computers. Oh, yeah, because the whole architecture drains completely yeah. wipes it out. Although, I would say I would definitely see it still possible in the future. Not the one we have, but a new Bootcamp. Because there's still Windows RT, which is an ARM-based Windows 10. So it's not completely out of the question, but mm -hmm. just will not be the same Bootcamp that we know right now. And of course, they said they're including a new version of Rosetta, which is they call it Rosetta 2. It's the same Rosetta they used to translate uh, PowerPC uh, to shift Intel. to Mac Intel. So it, it, apparently, it changes. It can basically convert it in like runtime, which is insane to me. Uh, and then, I mean, the last thing on the thing is the Quick Start program. So they're launching a whole new Quick Start program, just like they did back in 2004. Uh, essentially, it's a DTK, DTK, or a developer transition crit. Mm -hmm. It's a Mac Mini enclosure with A12Z uh, SOC chip, 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabytes of SSD, and a Mac OS Big Sur development beta with Xcode. So this is, this is just basically a program to allow developers to get really quick, uh, fast access to the whole new Mac OS architecture change, um, and just basically get a head start on writing code for it. Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, what's it called, uh, de details about the price or the the launch. They assume they're gonna get this out very soon, and they will release more information as the program goes on. But uh, from what I saw from previous trends, it probably costs at least a thousand dollars. Actually, I've seen five hundred. Actually, I think the official price came out today at five hundred. Five hundred. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's something very convincing. That's extremely attractive. That's attractive, but I believe if it's going to be anything like uh, back in 2004, you would have to return it by like two, by the end of the transition period, so by the end of like 2022. I would have um, to check the license, but I'm not entirely sure. If it's anything, if history has shown, that's what uh, Steve Jobs has said back when he was doing this, this, the, the shift over to Intel. The, the developer said given bring it back within a two-year uh, period. So we'll see how this works. I think... Um, uh, I mean, any developers that can take advantage of this, that would be crazy good. Uh, huge advantage for them to really get a head start on this type of thing. Especially since we're talking about a whole new architecture. So, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, like like uh, Tim was saying, like, it's a, this is a big day. This is a big change. Mm -hmm. 17 years you're talking about um, in, Intel chips. And they're just, you know what? They're doing their own thing. And Apple has shown us that with the last 10 years with the iPhones and iPad, that they know what they're doing with when it comes to chips. So, I mean, I, honestly, I'm really excited with this, and I really hope it brings out the performance that they really speak. Truly. I mean, what, what do you, what do you guys um, feedback on this? I'm super excited for Apple Silicon, man. I think it's going to be game-changing. I think I'm so excited with the new, you know, features that they're going to unleash with Apple Silicon. So it's like, you know, I've I'm, I'm already been a huge machine learning fan and, you know, the artificial intelligence capabilities. But, yeah. well, you have the neural engine that they could onboard. They have cryptographic acceleration, high-performance mm -hmm. CPU cores. You know, low power video playback, advanced power management. There's just so much that they could do by transitioning over to Apple Silicon because they have more control of the hardware underneath now that it's going to just be ultimately game changing. And we saw it ourselves. They opened a five gigabyte Photoshop file and were able to make modifications and save it with ease. Right. So yeah, that, that scrolling was smooth. It was so smooth. Very and smooth. It's like, it's really going to be super nice when we well, see it. Outside, outside of just Apple products, you know, when was the last time we saw another major CPU manufacturer come into the market, right? Like, you know, Intel and, A Intel and AMD have pretty much had a, you know, um, for lack of a better term, I guess, monopoly on the CPU market, uh, at least for desktop and laptop CPUs for a long time, right? So adding that a little bit more competition where now they've got to beat out Apple in building CPUs that can perform... You know, I think this might be a huge driving force to getting better processors across the entire market. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, like, the only the only two manufacturers right now is basically Intel and AMD, and if you know, we're basically getting a whole new uh, power player in this market now. So, yeah. like, let alone Apple products. I mean, if if any other company sees the performance and like, hey, Apple, mind giving those chips to us? We'll pay you handsomely. We can start seeing these chips in other products. I doubt this. You know, this is like years and years, and of course, if they're successful in their avenue towards, you know, these chips. But I mean, we've seen how uh, Apple 
operates when they have full control of the hardware and the software. So I have really high hopes for this, and I really hope to see a lot more come out of this. I'm just curious about the price point, to be honest with you. I think I just hope it's still within the similar range they have now for IMAX. And... It's hard to say. I mean, with, you know, products of, like, manufacturing and all that, you would think that, you know, with, with working with Intel, it can cut it down. But you also got to think, like, Intel definitely gives them a fee. You know, there's a whole lot of overhead costs with it, shipping and stuff. But if they're making it now, you know, the first couple of years are going to be very rocky. But, if, you know, Intel, uh, Apple has shown that they can be very efficient with their manufacturing process. So, I mean, like, yeah, first two years are probably going to eat costs, you know. But I wouldn't be surprised if down the pipeline they optimize the manufacturing process of this, figure out how to cut costs. You know, they don't have the Intel overhead costs anymore. So they can probably, you know, cut the margins and stuff and figure out where they can, you know, keep that price range and still make a profit. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, this is a big change, a very big change for anyone who's an Apple developer or even an Apple user. So we'll see what this means down the line. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm mm-hmm. really excited for the rest of the year. I'm really glad that the whole quarantine didn't affect uh, Apple, but we'll see how this goes. Any final thoughts on this? No, I think this was a solid WWDC. Um, I think definitely the developments that came out on the Mac OS side and the Safari and the privacy side are definitely more um, broad-ranging, like wider range, I would say, than uh, what happens on the iOS and iPad OS side. I think iOS and iPad OS have a uh, have a great um, update coming to them, but I think definitely the game changing ones are definitely lying in Mac OS and everything. So I'm excited to see uh, what uh, what's next for Apple. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to see okay. what they're going to do with this stuff. I mean, some of these changes are really cool. Um, like I said, I'm excited in particular for some of the iOS, like not even really big game changing features, but just quality of life changes that I've kind of been hoping for for quite some time. And I mean. Besides that, these silicon chips are, you know, they've quite caught my attention. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do with these. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, same. Like, this is, I mean, these are not major changes, but the writing's on the wall. There's a lot of hope for the future. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm just really excited that there's a new power player in the processing manufacturing and a shakeup in the market. So we'll see how that goes. Once again, this is one of our very first podcast recordings. So. We're still a little rusty, but um, I'd like to thank you, everyone who's listening uh, and joining us for this conversation. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys had a big kick out of listening to us as we had making this for you. And I hope this is you know, the first to many and with us as we rough out the edges. Uh, but yeah, this has been 49 Podcast, Too Many Requests. Thank you for coming over, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Have a great guys. day. Later. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.